0: And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. Plenty to talk about this week. We are coming off week one between Thursday night and Saturday afternoon into the evening. All eight NEC teams were in action searching for their cheeseburger in paradise, which would be that first win of the season. So no shortage of things to talk about today on the show. Coming up, we'll recap All eight week one games will highlight the top players of the week, break down the week's most eye-popping stat, look ahead to week two, uh, which also features our first conference game of the young season. And we'll welcome in our special guest from the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. He won that big quarterback competition that was going on throughout the spring and the summer. CJ Duel had a great opening game on Saturday. We'll chat with him coming up later in the show. But first, let's look back at week one. It's our top headlines it's time for the pick six and we start with our first story in week one the nec went uh, two and six okay not bad we'll start with the two wins we first look at central connecticut state in their first game under their new head coach adam lechtenberg they defeated american international 44 to zip on saturday evening at a root field under the lights now we mentioned last week there were several big quarterback battles going on over the spring and summer, and one of them was in New Britain. Junior quarterback C.J. Duell got the starting nod. Now, Coach Lechteberg said on an interview that aired uh, in the pregame of the broadcast on NEC Front Row that it was a tough battle over the summer. Duel had the edge. You know, he was the, the leader in the clubhouse, but that the, the battle and all the evaluations are still ongoing. So Duel got the most of this opportunity. He got the opportunity, at least here at the start, and he certainly made the most of it trying to keep those other quarterback contenders on his own roster at bay. He went 17 for 25, 235 yards passing, passed for two touchdowns, also ran for 41 yards you know this is a kid that's been waiting a couple years now to hopefully have that opportunity it finally came and it's so great to see him make the most of it now the offense was explosive under dual they had seven plays of 20 or more yards and they had a bunch of plays that were just under 20 yards too they had some 17 18 19 yard plays Running back Malik Thomas had one of those big plays on the first offensive play from scrimmage of the season. He finished the game with 13 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Davian Johnson was like a blur. He's fast. That's one of the things I learned from watching this game. He had six catches for 103 yards. He also ran three times for 53 yards. That's 156 all-purpose yards on just nine touches. Just over 17 yards per touch, doing the quick math. And over on special teams, how about Jack Barnum, their new kicker, went three for three, including a 48-yarder on the opening drive. And on defense, the Blue Devils shut out American International, recording their first clean sheet since October of 2019, holding American International to just 158 yards of offense. Ahmad Craig at two of Central's five sacks. Central 1-0 for the first time since 2019, which just so happened to be the last time they won the NEC championship. Now, story number two, we go to the other NEC Week 1 win, and that was the Duquesne Dukes as they took down Edinburgh 49-7 to out in Pittsburgh at Rooney Field. It was so great to see one of our former NEC football on-the-run guests, the WWE's legal eagle himself, Luca Crucifino, taking in the game On the sidelines, the former Duquesne offensive lineman was back on campus on Saturday because the WWE was over in the area at the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh for their payback premium live event Saturday evening. So good to see Luca able to take in uh, the Duquesne game uh, as a matinee, I guess. And uh, man, I'm sure he was happy to see what went down. Uh, Also back on campus was Duquesne quarterback Darius Parentes uh, under center. Remember, he stepped in during the fall 2021 season when Joe Mishler went down, had just over 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, two rushing scores. Last year, Mischler returned as the starter, but Parentis, uh did see some time as Duquesne was looking for some consistency, had a big game and a victory against Central last year. But Parentes is back as QB1, and they didn't really need him to be Superman. He only played about a half. He went seven for 13, 135 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that, that last part, the no turnovers, that was huge. The Dukes recorded five takeaways, including four in the first quarter, one a pick six by Aiden Garns on the second play of the game. And they had no turnovers. So five takeaways, no giveaways. Big-time improvement from uh, some of the frustrations the Dukes had in the turnover differential a year ago. The Dukes ran the ball for 238 yards and three rushing scores. Big win for Duquesne, their 16th straight home-opening victory, which is huge because they'll head on the road for the next four straight. They don't go back home for another month. They're going to start this long road trip in almost heaven, West Virginia, coming up on Saturday. Up next, story number three was our feature game of the week uh, out in Worcester, Massachusetts. The Merrimack Warriors hosting the fifth-ranked Holy Cross Crusaders. We talked about it last week on the show. This was the rubber match after the Warriors pulled off the upset last time at Holy Cross two years ago, and Holy Cross won at Merrimack last year. Now, the first half featured a near-perfect game plan by Merrimack. Kudos to them. It was incredible. It was very similar to how they won a lot of their games last year. Ball control. Move the football. Don't make the big mistake. Wait for the big play. And they got the big play at the start of the second quarter. Get quarterback Gavin McCusker found Jelani Mason. A 42-yard completion on third and five And then four plays later, they were in the end zone. A one-yard time on Edmonds touchdown run to take a 10-7 to lead. And then after a Crusaders touchdown, Merrimack went on one of those slow, methodical drives. 14 plays, 67 yards, taking 7 minutes and 58 seconds off the clock. And it ended with a McCusker 5-yard touchdown run to put the Warriors up 3, 17-14. And then the final minute. Trey Jordan made an acrobatic interception for Merrimack right up against the near sideline. Warriors would run out the clock going into break. They were up three. So let's take stock of that for a second. Merrimack against the number five team in the entire country, three point lead at halftime playing a near perfect half of football everything was going their way they had about a seven to eight minute time of possession advantage they were keeping the ball away from the holy cross offense themselves merrimack scored on three of the four drives notwithstanding that last drive after the interception when they just ran out the clock to go to halftime three out of the four drives merrimack got points they were winning the turnover battle plus they were getting the kickoff coming out of the locker room to start the second half Everything was going their way. All the ingredients you would need to pull off an upset of this caliber were happening, but they just couldn't keep it up. Holy Cross made their adjustments. Merrimack, they had to take the ball deep in their own territory during that second half kickoff. They got the ball to start the half, but they had to start at their own six. Then they were set back due to a penalty. So with their back, you know, in the shadow of their own goalpost, they had to punt. So Holy Cross got some good field position. They went six plays, sixty-three yards in about two minutes, 30 seconds to take the lead. Warriors tried to answer, you know, they went 13 plays, 60 yards, nearly five minutes. They had a third and goal at the five, an incomplete pass and had to settle for a field goal. They got within one. And then Holy Cross on their next series scored a touchdown. The final play of the third went up 28 to 20 and Holy Cross would go on from there. A couple more scores in the fourth quarter, 42 to 20. It was an impressive showing in defeat for the Warriors against one of the top teams in the nation. They played a near perfect first half, just couldn't keep that momentum up for the rest of the game. Now story number four is kind of the opposite story for the reigning and defending NEC champion Saint Francis Red Flash during their opener to kick off the season Thursday night in Kalamazoo Mission against Western Michigan Broncos for SFU it took them a while to establish some momentum they couldn't you know have that near perfect first half like Merrimack did the first two series for the Red Flash were three and outs and by the time they got the ball for their third series They were down two touchdowns and it was already the middle of the second quarter. So they really couldn't establish any momentum right from the get-go. They eventually did get explosive though. Perhaps the play of the NEC season so far, Cole Doyle with a little pump fake rolling out of the pocket to his left, scrambling, launching it downfield where he found Dawson Snyder uh, who slipped past the secondary. I mean, Dawson was wide open, a good 10 yards ahead of the next closest defenders. And Doyle, by the way, if you go back and look at the replay, he chucked it from his own 20 and it was caught by Snyder at the Western Michigan 40. So that ball was a good 40 yards in the air past the defense by a good 10 yards. And Snyder would then, you know, take it the rest of the way himself, a 77 yard touchdown reception. So that would be the big highlight and, Maybe some momentum for SFU in that offense going forward. The Red Flash did get to within a score in the second half, but the defense just couldn't make the big stop. And I know a lot of people are looking at the SFU defense after several key losses uh, from their defense a year ago. Tough to make an assessment on the defense now, considering the level of competition that the Red Flash were facing in Week One. But the D did allow 509 yards, 339 on the ground, so. This defense coming into form, that's going to be something to watch going forward for SFU in their quest for a repeat. Now for story number five, let's check in on Sacred Heart taking on the Lafayette Leopards for the second straight season in the opener. This time, they get them on their home field in Fairfield. Now first, we have to to take you back to last year and how last year's game finished. Sacred Heart down 6-0. First and goal at the Lafayette 1. 12 seconds to go. First down, incomplete second down incomplete. So now third down three seconds left. One final play. The pioneers gave it to Malik grant up the middle, and he was stopped short of the goal line and the leopards survived by about three feet, six, nothing the final. So two incompletions, and then a run stopped at the goal line. Remember that sequence because this year, almost like a bad dream, Lafayette up 19-14, 7-14 left in the fourth quarter. Sacred Heart has the football. there at the Lafayette 46 after a 47-yard return down the sideline from John Mocha, an incredible special team's return. They get the ball in great field position in Leopards territory. They drive it to the four-yard line, taking time off the clock, and here we go. It's first and goal, Sacred Heart, from the Lafayette 4 with under four minutes to go. So you could look at it as either this was set up on a tee for redemption, or this is set up on a tee to be a cruel replay of lightning striking twice. We were about to find out. So last year they went pass, pass, run. This year, Malik Grant, first down, up the middle, no gain. Second down, they go to Grant up the middle again. Run, run, this time a one-yard loss. Okay, so now third and goal at the five. It was a quarterback option. Cade Pribullo, he held on to it, and then he ran to the right himself, trying to get around the bend, get to the edge on the right side. No gain there. Okay, so we had run, run, run again on the quarterback option, and now here we go. Fourth and goal at the five with 150, 146 remaining. Now, again, they're at the five and not the one. So the play calling a little bit different this year than maybe last year when it, they were at the one yard line. So Sacred Heart came out for this fourth and goal play with three wide receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. Grant was to the right of Prabula, who was out of the shotgun. Now, if you'll look back at this play in slow motion, you freeze frame it just as the ball uh, it was being snapped. Lafayette rushed six on defense. So Grant, who was to the right of the quarterback, had to pick up the extra defender coming in. So he's not available in, in, in the passing game. He's picking up the, the blitz. So the wide receivers, because there's only five yards from the line of scrimmage to the goal line, every single wide out, the three on the left and the one on the right were all locked up man-to-man at the goal line facing pressure Bull had to throw a prayer to the end zone with absolutely nothing available dudes in his face. And he was picked off Lafayette survives at the goal line again, this time, 1914. Now, again, if you're going to play devil's advocate, maybe look back at it. Maybe Grant could have let the, the pressure instead of picking up the block. Maybe he lets the guys through slips out into like a screen maybe. And the quarterback could go over the blitzing defenders to grant in the flat for a little screen type play maybe but there was nothing else available it was a well-defended play by lafayette fourth and goal at the five to come away with the victory and finally story number six we're going to look back to the rest of the league ohio defeated liu 27 to 10 ending the sharks four game win streak which dated back to last year wagner Fell at home to Fordham, forty-six to sixteen, and Stonehill fell to nationally ranked New Hampshire, fifty-one to seventeen. So, one week into the new season, Central Connecticut and Duquesne lead the pack in the standings with a one-to-zero overall record. Then you have six teams all tied for third at 0-1. Now, remember, we start conference play this week, and the leader in the pack at the end of the season will represent the NEC in the FCS playoffs. Now, it's time for our top three stars of the week, and we start with star number three running back from Stonehill, Jermaine Corbett. Now, we talked to him at Media Day He had some pretty big aspirations and goals for this season. A lot of positivity coming into year two for Stonehill in the NEC. And after rushing for nine touchdowns a year ago, he got this year started off on the right foot with two rushing scores against New Hampshire. Corbett rushed 24 times for 66 yards and the two touchdowns while also catching three passes for 24 yards. Corbett, our third star. Now our number two star this week, is Merrimack quarterback Gavin McCusker. Now, for a little bit more than a half, McCusker and the Warriors had any NEC fans in full eyes emoji, were watching mode. And upset was brewing as McCusker and the Warriors, as we mentioned earlier, played a near-picture-perfect half of football against the number 5 team in the nation. McCusker finished 15 for 30, 176 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but he did have 16 carries for 51 yards on the ground and a big rushing score in that first half. Now, our number one star of the week is Central Connecticut State quarterback, C.J. Duell. He went 17 for 25, 235 yards, two touchdowns, a kid that waited for his opportunity over the last couple of years, and he made the most of it with a sensational start against American and international. We should mention Davian Johnson. He got a lot of help from Johnson with 156 all-purpose yards. But Duell, our top star of the week, And as he gets ready to lead the Blue Devils into a duel with the Skyhawks in our first conference game of the season, Duel joins us as this week's guest. And we're joined now by Central Connecticut State quarterback CJ Duel. CJ, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, now, first of all, we ask the hard-hitting questions on the show, so we have to start by asking, what does the CJ stand for?
1: Christopher Joseph.
0: Christopher Joseph, there we go. We'll go with CJ, you mm-hmm. know, because we, we got to keep things moving here. But uh, let, let's talk about, you know, this past week, you started and got the win for the Blue Devils on Saturday in the opener. Uh, and for you, it's been an opportunity I'm sure that you've been waiting for for a while to, to get that moment. So what was that moment like? Uh, it was it was awesome.
1: Uh, like you said, it's been a long time coming. Um, it's been a while since I played football, uh, but it was awesome. It was it was great to be out there with my friends, my teammates and and really enjoy the win.
0: Now, your coach said before the game that it was a tough quarterback battle this summer. In some ways, the battle's still going on because he's continuing to evaluate, but you established yourself as the the leader of the pack. So, you know, what was that battle like, you know, over the course of the summer?
1: Um, It was good. It was intense. Um, Like you said, it was a battle all along spring and summer. Um, For me, I just focused on being the best version of myself, and I was confident that if I just went in every day and tried to better myself than I was yesterday, that I would uh, everything would take care of itself so that's but that was my main goal
0: awesome let, let, let's go way back in time you know when, when you were were a kid how was it that you, you fell in love with with football
1: oh I was seven years old um, I did not like it at first I, I wanted to quit yeah I didn't like it and, and my dad said give it one more year and um, things changed I got to I got I got into the quarterback role um, and I just loved it ever ever since then
0: so, so what was it about the quarterback role that got you to stick with it during that one more year?
1: I don't know. I think it was just uh, someone needed to fill it in and someone needed to throw. And um, I was hooked ever since. You know, all eyes are on you, the good and the bad. Um, but uh, I loved it, so –
0: Now I'm sure one thing that quarterback loves is a veteran offensive line and veteran tight ends at which, which you have at central. Uh, So how important are they to kind of establishing that physicality and the type of offense that central wants to bring to the table this year?
1: They're the most important thing. Uh, The guys up front, um, like you said, they're all veterans. They all know what they're doing. Um, I feel confident because they have confidence in me and, and they know what they're doing. They're, they're veterans. They're established. Uh, So this is nothing new to them. And I just got to, I feel comfortable with them, with them up there protecting me. And especially, like you said, uh, Jad and Nas, uh, they're veterans guys. They've seen everything. Uh, They're not, they're not very uh, phased uh, by, by much. So it's good. And I feel very comfortable with them as my teammates.
0: Now in that little pause right there between your answer and this next question, I think David Johnson could have run up and down the field like five times. He was everywhere on Saturday, lightning quick, pass game, run game. He's kind of, you know, blinking. you'll miss him fast. How, How fast was he in person?
1: uh i mean you blink and you miss him uh we call him speedy for a reason um and, and he's the real deal he's, he's fast and we just want to get the ball in his hands and let him let him do his thing
0: now conference play starts this week right out of the shoot here against stonehill first conference game so you know in a in little bit i'm sure that you, you've you had a chance to, to look at them so far what stands out and what might be some keys to look out for on saturday
1: uh they're a great team uh they got some south linebackers their d lines uh they got some big guys and then they're gonna uh, force us to, to run the ball a little bit uh, I, I think uh, a good buddy of ours plays there again uh, Jermaine Williams, uh, he was on our team a couple years ago he's a great kid uh, and he's a great athlete he's a great person, Um he's going to make us work for it Saturday
0: Alright, well we're going to get you out here with the final five questions, these are rapid fire so just hit us with the first thing that comes to mind, alright? Mm-hmm. Alright, favorite color? Orange Not blue? What about blue? Where does that rank? <laughs> That'll go second Okay. Alright, orange isn't bad uh what's your because it's back to school time so we're going to ask what is your favorite school supply out of all the school supplies
1: school supplies i'll go with just your regular like composite notebook it's good and reliable you know
0: that is correct you got that mm-hmm. one right all right favorite snack or junk food when it's a cheat day what, what's your go-to mm.
1: cheat day i'll go with a good uh chick-fil-a milkshake
0: Ooh. Okay. Really good. You got that one. All right. Now if, if your teammates, if we surveyed them and we asked them to describe you using one word or phrase, what would that word or phrase be? I would say hardworking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, finally finish the sentence, central Connecticut will win the NEC championship this year. If,
1: if everyone does their part plays their, their 11th, as coach like would say, um, and we go out every week and, and try and get the 1-0, and win the week.
0: Win the week and, and getting off to 1-0 and starting conference plays would be a great first step, and we'll see them try to do that on Saturday against Stonehill. Thanks, CJ, for joining us, and best of luck on Saturday and the rest of the season. Yes, sir, of course. Thank you for having me. All right, and be sure to check out our full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time now for this week's Stat Chat. And we go back to the to last year, the average length of the opening game for each NEC team. So each NEC team's first game of the season averaged three hours and 32 minutes in terms of time of length. Six out of the eight games from last year in the NEC openers went over three hours and two of the eight games went over four hours. Now, one of the things that's been Uh, heavily discussed coming into this college football season, not just in the Northeast conference was that the NCAA implemented some new rules at division one and division two to help the pace of play first this year, the game clock is running after all first downs except in the last two minutes of each half. So uh, previously, whenever there'd be a first down, they stop it. They position the football, then they restart the clock. This time the clock keeps running after a first down, except, In the last two minutes, once you get a first down, the clock will stop in the final two minutes of the first half and second half, but also teams cannot call back-to-back timeouts, So you can't have that little back-to-back chess match type thing going and untimed downs only exist at the end of the first half and the end of the second half. If there is a foul at the end of the first or third quarter, it will carry into the next quarter instead of untimed down. So a lot of rule changes this year to try to help, the pace of play. So let's look how things went. Last year, we averaged 332 in the openers. Let's see how things turned out this year. This year, the average length of NEC teams opening games, three hours, four minutes, shaving 28 minutes after last year's opening game average in the Northeast Conference. Half the games this year in week one, under three hours. And none of the games went over three and a half Three three hours and thirty minutes. So the pace of play rules are working so far. I know you're saying, you know, hey, when we go out and watch a watch a game, you know, we, we, we're not getting paid by the hour. We want to go enjoy. We don't care how long it lasts. Yes, if you're talking about enjoying, you know, the parking lot and the atmosphere and you know, all that, okay. But if we're to- talking about just being focused on watching a football game, watching a football game for four hours is a long time. So if you're going to be talking about everything else, okay, you know, maybe the four hours goes by in a flash. But if you're just talking about sitting and watching a game, four hours, long time. So good to see that uh, it appears the pace of play rules are working. We shaved 28 minutes off of last year's week one games, and we'll continue to keep an eye on the clock uh, as far as if these rules are working uh, as the season Continues, And finally, let's take a peek at our week two schedule. It's so much fun last weekend. We're going to come back again and do it this weekend. Here's what's coming up on tap for week two. All games this week at the Northeast Conference are taking place on Saturday, September the 9th. Sacred Heart, they will be in the nation's capital to take on Georgetown, 1230 p.m. kick. Wagner is on the road to take on Navy. That game goes at 3.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. We know Wagner will be on CBS Sports Network later this year against SFU in the NEC package, but Wagner getting a chance to perform in the national spotlight a couple weeks early. As they take on Navy Merrimack, they are going to host Lehigh at four, their home opener. Duquesne, as we mentioned, they're headed to almost heaven, West Virginia, take on the Mountaineers who are coming off a loss to Penn state last week. That's a 6 PM kick sfu they are going to face a familiar foe renewing the keystone state collision rivalry with robert morris at 6 p.m and liu will be taking on bryant at 6 p.m bryant won 31 to 29 and on a 37 yard field goal at the gun last year at liu this year they meet in rhode island now we want to focus on our game of the week the first nec game of the season Stonehill will be in New Britain to take on Central Connecticut State at noon on NEC Front Row. Last year, these two teams met in the regular season finale, and the Blue Devils came away with a 39-14 to 14 win in Massachusetts. This was the give the ball to Nas Smith so he could win the rushing title type game because both teams were out of the title race and Nas Smith was going for the rushing title. So it was just handoff, handoff, handoff. Let's ride this guy as far as he could go so he could win the rushing title. And he did. He had 29 carries for 218 yards and four touchdowns. Now, if is going to continue that ground and pound type attack this time around, they do have a couple of big backs. Malik Thomas. Thomas had 13 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown on Saturday. Elijah Howard had 10 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown, not to mention Davian Johnson, the wide receiver who accounted in the ground game for over 50 yards as well. And then, of course, Stonehill will counter with Corbett, one of our top three stars of the week. He had 66 yards on the ground and two touchdowns against some top-notch competition. Central Connecticut, they are looking to start 1-0 for the first time since 2021. Stonehill looking to start 1-0 for the second straight season. Remember, they pulled an upset In their NEC opener last year when they took on Duquesne. Christopher Joseph Duhl, the quarterback, our guest earlier today, talked about it. They want to go, want to know, they want to win the week. A great first step for them. And uh, it didn't sound like he was looking uh, too forward to meeting up with. Uh, Jermaine Williams, the junior defensive tackle, who for the last two years has been a part of the blue devils had two and a half sacks a couple of years ago. Uh, Dual hoping they don't renew acquaintances, at least uh, in between the lines during the game, maybe after the game, but uh, that should be an interesting battle to watch. So central Connecticut versus Stonehill, the NEC conference opener 12 noon on Saturday on NEC front row. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Everyone. We hope you enjoy week two of NEC football And we will talk to you again next week to wrap everything up and make sense of it all. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.